this week's Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. You're on the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Whiteside. Right, Paul? Hey, Rob, you okay, mate? How's your week been, mate? Been a lot going on this week? <laughs> uh, it's been another busy week of, uh, of Central Eat and this, that and the other. I've been moved back to, to Salford, which is nice. Been working around near the Willows and Weast Lane and all around there. But um, Worked in one of your mates' houses yesterday, actually. A lad who went to college with... Um, Oh, what's he called? I, I'm not sure of his name. Um, he lives on um, oh, Tootle Drive around there. Oh. Uh, we, we, he lets on to you at the match. After I think now what he's Was called. Was it Noddy? Paul, Noddy? Paul Nolan? Yeah, quite a, quite a stocky lad with ginger hair. Yeah, Noddy, I think. Yeah, that's him. Nice lad anyway. Made us a nice cup of tea and that fixed his radiator for him. We had a good chat about, about Salford and what have you. So that was nice. But yeah, busy, busy week, mate. Um my phone did a bit of an update the other night and, and my missus said, oh, you've got two emails and one was off the club. So uh, that's how I found out the news. So, yeah, these things happen. But no, I'm doing all right, mate. And, and I hope you two are as well. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a, a bit of a mixed week, really. Computer te- technical issues uh, with both my laptop and, and work and it's been a bit of a stress. But it's one of them things, 20th, 21st century uh, problems, isn't it, really, in the lockdown? Yeah, that, that's it, mate. I don't, I don't really have any of them sort of problems, boiler problems. I have and water coming out all over the place. So I've uh, got a couple of days off, though, now to, uh, to put my feet up. So I'm off till Monday. So looking forward to that. Yeah, also joins on the show. We've got Tom Brownwell for the Manchester Evening News. Tom, uh, how's your week been? Bet you've been a bit busy. Yeah, it's been, uh, this is the first week I've had all year, pretty much. And um, the water news broke on Monday night. So that wasn't ideal. Yeah, I suppose it's uh, it, news happens all, all the time. News doesn't take an holiday, does it, Tom? No, definitely not. And it's, when it's this kind of news, it's, it was a holiday ruiner from, from day one. <laughs> yeah, so there's loads, loads to, to go at. Uh, we've got the Ian Watson news. We're going to dissect that. We're going to look back at the, the Wakefield win. Um, and then, obviously, we're going to see all the big news, apart from the Wattle news uh, that's coming out in the club uh, this week. So we'll start with the big story of the week. So, Ian Watson quits Salford. Uh, Paul, how, how would you feel? Chris Wellham and Ian Watson in the same week. I know, yeah, I've been through the mill. Um, <laughs> how did I feel? Do you know what? I, I, not too bad. I wasn't too bad, really. I mean, I, I was disappointed at first. I was more shocked when my missus told me because she read the email because she was doing a bit of an update on my phone because I'm, I'm rubbish with technology. And she said, I thought she was joking at first. And then. Yeah, it took me a bit to get my head around it, but you know these things happen, don't they? I think we spoke about it the other week with my dad was saying, "Oh, what would you do when what all moves on?" So I was a bit mentally prepared for it because I remember listening to his interviews recently, and I wasn't dead convinced he was going to stay forever. Um, I thought maybe next season might be his last season. Um, so yeah, I was I was very disappointed. I mean, I spoke to Wattle quite a lot over the last couple of years, and you know I'm, I'm going to miss speaking to him really because I've enjoyed chatting with him and. and you know, it's it's been nice. It's been nice to get that close to a coach and and, and to someone at the, at the club, and for him to to let me have that sort of access. So yeah, I'm disappointed, and he's done a great job for us as well. And it it, it is it's always hard, isn't it? I mean, in the, the time I've watched Salford, I don't think I've ever seen a coach leave that's not been sacked or resigned. So this is the you know normally they they, they either sort of walk or they pushed, aren't they? So yeah, 
bit, a bit of a shock, Rob, but, you know, life goes on, doesn't it? And, you know, there's bigger things happening out there in the world, isn't there? So I'm just looking forward now to to a new chapter, really. And obviously, wish what I want the best and hope he does uh, well with his new club. Yeah, it's big news, Tom, in, in the World Rugby League. Ian Watson has uh, taken Salford to a, a grand final, a Challenge Cup final, two semi-finals, a playoff finished as well. It's it's going to be a, a big, big challenge to, to replace him. Yeah, I think there's, there's a, it's a point at which the club... Um, is it, what old stock was at the highest it, it's been because of his achievements and he's, he's probably deserves the opportunity to to further himself in his career and whether you think that if he does go to Huddersfield that's that's the right move or not to do that then he's he probably deserves the opportunity and he, he's helped to to develop the club up to that level as well I'm similar to Paul in that I thought that I've said numerous occasions I think he's the best coach in Super League by a long way um, and I did think that in 12 months time Wigan St Ellings Warrington will all be likely looking for new coaches and he'd have his pick of those jobs. Um, and with the news that the, the club had got rid of the CVA last week and, and was in a better financial position, I thought it was a real opportunity for, for one last big push with Salford to, to kick on next year, um, turn one of those those final appearances, those runners-up medals into a winner's medal and, and, and really kick on. And I'm, I'm more disappointed that that, that won't be the case um, like Paul said, I was, I was under no illusions that, that Ian Watson would be this offer coach forever because I think he's, his skills and his abilities mean that he's always going to be wanted by by bigger clubs and, and perhaps not, not only clubs in this country. So it doesn't really shock me that he, he is leaving, but the, the timing of it and if it is to Huddersfield, that would um, that is the surprise element of it for me. Yeah, it's a signal. For me, obviously, with the uh, the sort of refusing the Huddersfield uh, the whole job, Paul, a couple of weeks ago, all fans were thinking, you know, this could be it. You know, we we get another season, we get a few more players, we get a bit more investment, we can take that extra step. And obviously, for him to 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 quit so suddenly um, after that, a lot of fans on on Facebook and Twitter feel like you know they've been a bit misled by what he said. Do do you feel that or or not? Um. Yeah, I can understand the, the fans feeling that because I, I remember it was after the St. Ellen's game, wasn't it? So I, I had recorded it because I was driving back from the game. So I'd not seen the interview and I didn't do the press conference. You guys did the press conference, didn't you? So I've not heard that yet. Um, so I, I did watch the interview when I got home because I spoke to my dad on the way home. He said, oh, what old said he's staying? Gemma Carter actually phoned me. I got in my car in the car park at Legion. She phoned me up and said, oh, have you heard the news? What old, what old staying sort of thing? And I was over the moon driving home. And then I watched the, watched the interview and... I don't know. I didn't feel convinced. It was like he'd said, you know, I'm not going to, to Hull. It's not the right time. And he'd never really sort of said, you know, I'm staying here because because I'm Salford manager sort of thing. So it was a bit, I'm not, I don't want to say half-hearted, but it wasn't the reassurance I was looking for, really. So it still made me a bit edgy. And after what you guys were saying before about the, about the press conference, which I have not heard, that, you know, it was, it was different again. So... So yeah, and and then obviously last week we've had the season tickets coming out, and I saw the club doing some promos, and I know Ian was doing the promos. I saw a couple of videos that he'd done. So you you, you see him doing that, and you think, yeah, everyone's you know flying the flag ready for twenty twenty one, and then that news comes out that he's not staying. You think, well, what's changed your mind? You, have you changed your mind over the week? Because there was a statement that 
Chris Wallam said to me, I was chatting to Chris and we were talking about the game last week and Chris was bitterly disappointed not to play on that Friday night game and he sort of said, well, Ed Chamberlain got the nod because what I wanted to look at Ed for next season, you know, because his contract's still ironed out. So that was Friday night. So what a change between Friday night and, and Sunday to have him not being the coach. Because obviously on Friday, if he's looking at Chamberlain, he's still Salford's coach for next year. So there's a few things there and I've still not got my head round, round why. And I suppose we'll never find out why, will because we're not, not privy to that information. But yeah, this disappointing. But I can understand how the supporters feel, definitely. Yeah, there's always conspiracy. There's always rumours, isn't there? And, you know, like you said, we'll, we'll never sort of know the actual sort of truth in, in the matter. But, Tom, we, like you said, Paul said, we, we were both at that press conference and I, I really felt at the time it's, there was something cooking. Um, I've listened to it back since and uh, there's nothing that he said that kind of like would have spat, would have made sense to how I was feeling at the time. Um, but did, did you have any sort of inclination about what was going on? No, it's a, it's a weird one in that I, at the time, didn't spot it. And then on Sunday, um, I was listen, I listened to it back, the, the press conference, just for some of the quotes about um, Mike Flanagan. Obviously, when he was retiring, Wattle gave him a really nice send-off in, in that press conference. And he, he talked about how important the signing Flanagan had been. And I went back looking for that. And it was, it was only when I listened to it again, I noticed that... Um, there's a section where he talks about the CVA and the club and investment opportunities. And um, what refers to the club as Salford and they um, a few times throughout throughout the about a minute that he's talking. And I've never I've never heard him speak about the club in the third person before. Like I've been involved in we've only really done regular press conferences this season, but I've I've been following the club for, for five years and from pretty much all the time what has been the coach and he's always very much been we and us and, and that sort of thing and that was the first I'd heard like from the third person and obviously spotted that on Sunday and then when you hear this news on Monday it you can't help but think that, that perhaps he started to, to to lean towards that decision or he's, he's at least considering it on on Friday night, because that's the way he spoke after the immediately after the game. Yeah, um, I mean, at the time, I was I felt really was some some cooking, but it was it was weird. It was so it come as a shock to me uh, that the whole thing. But he is an ambitious coach, Paul, and, and he's always sort of not hid that fact that he wanted to go to a high a higher level. Uh, and we just assumed that he'd want to sort of finish the the project he had at, at Salford, but unfortunately, it, it wasn't meant to be. No, no, and yeah, I, I, I think I'd heard him quoted as saying, you know, he had unfinished business and things like that, and you'd been to two finals and, and, and lost them both, and, you know, come up short in them both and done really well, but I think I, I thought he wanted to win a trophy at Salford, and, and I don't know what's changed his mind, really, and uh, like I said, we've not, we, we don't know where he's going yet confirmed, do we, but, you know, there's talk of, of Huddersfield and things like that, and I looked at it and I thought, well, there's Huddersfield, you know, you're better than Salford. It's been a long time since Huddersfield won won the championship. I think 1964, something like that, early 60s. So, um, yeah, a long, a long time ago. So they're hardly the, the, the sort of leading light in, in Super League, really. And it seemed a strange one. But you don't know what what's gone on. You don't know what he's been promised wherever he's going, or or, or what he's got on personally as well. So I don't know. He's done very well at Salford and. 
perhaps he thinks it's time for a change. Perhaps he thinks he's taken the club as far as it can go. I, I don't know about the recruitment for next season. I mean, that he's thrown that into the dark, really, because nobody's been confirmed with, on the recruitment front. So are those players sort of, were they coming, providing what was there? So it, it, it does sort of uh, throw a bit of a spanner in the works now, doesn't it? And uh, obviously the, the, the people in charge at the club have got a, a real big job now to, to appoint a successor. Yeah, Tom, heavily linked to, to, to Huddersfield. Obviously, big, bigger clubs are also circling. Um, for, for me, though, like Paul said, it's a sideways move. And we talk about ambition and, and Ian Watson had lots of it. There must be, there must be something, you know, to, to make him make that decision uh, to move to Huddersfield. Definitely. When, when you first hear that he's leaving and, and it's going to be for Huddersfield, I think that you definitely think that that's, at best, sideways, if not a backward move. But I think if you, if you look at their squad, they've got a pretty exciting spine in place and they've, they've got some good young players around there. And in Jake Ward, I think they've got the, the best young player in, in Super League at the minute. So I can understand any coach really looking at that squad and thinking you could really do something with them. And the big thing with Huddersfield, obviously, is that having Ken Davy in place there what won't fit, uh, won't face any of the financial issues that he's had to come to terms with pretty much from day one. He's been at Salford, um, and I've no doubt that he'll get personally remunerated better than he, than he ever has done with Salford. So that'll be a factor in it, and he can still commute. Um, so I know a big reason in, in the whole thing was that his daughters are still studying their exams and things. He didn't want to move them, so that'll be a big factor in it. But he's also big on looking after his team and, and, and the people he's got around him. He had a small team at Salford and he'll want to do right by them. So if there's an offer on the table that that, that, that basically puts them in a, in a better position financially maybe and, and you know, we're, I'm assuming at this stage if Greg Brown goes with him and gets to go back to Huddersfield where he still, I think, lives and he still has a business and things and, and that's, if you say, I, I, I imagine there will be more to it than just Ian thinking, I want to go and coach Huddersfield. Um, but it is hard not to look at it from a, a sulfur point of view and think it's it's at best a sideways move. Where does this leave his legacy, Paul? Obviously, a, a fantastic coach for us. You know, over this his, his period with us, one hundred sixty-five games. He won eighty-two of them, lost eighty-three of them. A forty-nine point six nine percent win ratio shows he was he was he was one of that one of the best. Yeah, he certainly does. I think, yeah, he's, he's the best coach I've seen at Salford in my sort of thirty odd years watching him. Rob, and you know, he's he's had success. Yeah, all, all right, he's not won a trophy, but you know, he's he's come as close as anybody has in the last fifty years, forty odd years since we last won a major trophy. So, I think he'll go down as uh, as one of our best coaches, certainly. And um, yeah, obviously we're disappointed with it and things like that, but. You know, you know, legacy, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's done really well and I wouldn't want to be grudgy about anything. And just going back to the Huddersfield scenario, I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of positives with that. I know we sort of say it might be a bit of a sideways move, but <sighs> Huddersfield probably got a lot of potential. I think they like us. I think we've got a lot of potential as well. Salford had this potential there. They've got a great setup there, a great stadium. I think they've got a really good guy backing him in, in Ken Davy. He's one of those sort of chairmen that it doesn't stick his oar in. He's not always oh, head pecking. I think he is that guy at all that that Pearson. I mean, 
from what I've seen, I'm not not a big fan of him. But I think Ken Davies is is, is, is he's a real gentleman and someone who's going to going to back his his coach and 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 you know give what a bit of freedom. So I think what will have that sort of freedom that he had at Salford where he can just get on with it. It'll be hands on, and you know he's got the potential there. Like like Tom was saying, there's some good young players at Huddersfield. They've got a decent academy and there's probably a good set of players there. But obviously we want to talk about Salford, won't we? Not the Huddersfield podcast, are we? So. <laughs> Just, just talking about about what I was legacy. Yeah, I think he'll be remembered well at Salford. I think you know I'd give him a decent reception if he come back to the AJ Bell next season. I'm not one of these people who's going to boo him, but I, I can understand at the moment it's very, very raw, isn't it, with the supporters? And, and when we're talking about you know last week, it all seems to happen so fast, doesn't it? We, we brought season tickets out, we've done promos for season tickets. What has been fronting that? And then bang, click of the fingers, he's not there anymore. It's 23 days, Rob, since the Challenge Cup final, and then 23 days after it. What was gone, so that's what it was on 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 Sunday when it was announced. So twenty three days is nothing in rugby league. It just shows you things like that in rugby league can happen overnight. Things can change. People move on. Players move on. Coaches get sacked. It's part and parcel of the sport, and it, and it always will be, won't it? So I think he'd be very proud of the work he's done at Salford, and, and he's left the, the club in, in a miles better state than it was when he first took over. You know, when when yesterday Harris left, you remember that Tuesday night game at OKR, and we had all the. You know, a really dramatic defeat, and, and, and Harris left, and, and what all came in, and after that, and you know, we had a lot, lot to do there. He's, he's had the, these, um, these big finals we've been through, but he's also had an awful lot of adversity to put up with, and points deductions, financial troubles, and you know, it's been one drama after the next, and he, he's weathered an awful lot of storms at Salford. So, uh, um, sorry, Tom, it shows, it shows how far we've come as a club, and, and this club still moves forward. We're not going to rest on our laurels because Ian Watson's gone. We've still got the infrastructure in place to, to, to continue to compete at the top level, and it's going to be sort of interesting what happens next. Uh, the club came out with a, with a statement uh, sort of the day after, and Ian Blee's have been talking uh, to the press about how they're looking for for, for new for the new coach, and how it's you know a process that they have to go through, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how what happens next and how they go through that process and pick the right man. I think it it really is because I think um, when Walter was appointed, obviously he'd been assistant to to Espinarish before that stage, and, and you know looking back. The, the coaches were perhaps brought in for different reasons up, up, up until that point. I think what the club has achieved over the last few years and, and obviously what has been the key driving factor in it is, is, is building the reputation not only within Super League but, but abroad in, in the NRL specifically. So when Ian Bleeds went over to Australia at the back end of last season, he said that he, he walked into to the the biggest clubs over there and they, they knew who he was, they knew who Salford were. And I think on that basis, there'll be some applications for this job from people involved in coaching setups in the NRL who will look at what Justin Holbrook did at St. Helens and think, you know, they can come over here and get the first start and go back to the NRL and be a real success over there. So I know at the minute the, um, the shortlist of names that, that people are throwing around is looks very very localised and very um, very much within a small area but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's there's a couple of left field names that, that come from, from maybe people that you know we're not really aware of and we're over here like I wouldn't have known Justin Albrook before he rocked up at, at St. Helens um, but it wouldn't surprise me if there are there are people in similar positions at NRL clubs now who, who are thinking that you know there's a chance to really make the name 
Um, and I think that, you know, can't really forget the role Walls played in, in helping build the club up, up to that level. So, like Paul was saying there, I've no doubt he'll, he'll get a bit of a shaky, shakier reception than he would have if he was leaving for a, a Wigan or a St. Helens, uh, maybe even a Warrington. I think that some people won't be able to accept that Huddersfield is enough of a of a move for him to, to leave the club. But for me, he should always be remembered fondly for, for what he's achieved. And I think he, he brought more to the club than, than anyone had any, any right to expect from him. So um, I think he deserves it, uh, that to be his legacy. And, uh, and now that he has gone, it's for the club to look forward. And I think that there's, in Ian Blaze and Paul King, I, th- I think they've got people who've proven that not only do they, they love and care for the club, but they're capable of making really smart, sensible business decisions. Um, and I've no doubt that you know they'll, they'll take the time and they'll do whatever they think is in the best interest of the club to, when looking for a replacement. Yeah, we are an opportunity club, Paul, and we're, we're now an opportunity for someone uh, to, to stake their claim and, and perhaps go to that next level. There's lots of names being thrown around. Um, Paul Rowley, uh, for one, currently at, at the club. He's a, he's a good coach, certainly worth uh, looking at for me. Yeah, I was waiting for you to to mention the opportunity uh, club. <laughs> you always mention to me. Yeah, I think sometimes we say that perhaps we do ourselves down because I think we're a bit more than an opportunity club now, Rob. I think getting to two finals makes us makes us a, a real good proposition. I mean, you look at the Super League. There's twelve teams in the Super League, so there's twelve jobs. That's not a lot of jobs, that really. So, you know, any job at those clubs is is a big one. So it, it must be a really sort of attractive. Job the Salford job, I'd say, and I think you're going to get a lot of a lot of interest. I reckon there'll be an awful lot of candidates who put in for that. Uh, I think from from home and abroad, perhaps in Australia, New Zealand, or wherever. So, I think there'll be an awful lot of names going going for it, um, and I think the club's in a, in a really good position. And you know, the obvious choice would would be Paul Roller. You know, he's already there. He's he's an assistant coach, but there's a, probably an awful lot that needs to be sorted out. Will Will Water want to take Paul Rowley with him as his assistant? I don't know. Uh, does Paul Rowley want to step up and, and, and be a coach? Uh, I'm not too sure, but I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, when I keep seeing all these names mentioned, I mean, obviously we, we, we don't know who the club are interviewed and things like that, but you see names, you think, blimey, yeah, I think, I think he'd do, do a good job and, it's uh, yeah the next the next road now next sort of stage in, in our, our our journey forward is going to be going to be interesting to see who we employ. It will it will be interesting Tom to see whether Paul King and Ian Blees go for experience over over potential. Uh, you've got Brian McDermott who's just sort of left uh, Toronto. You have got Tim Sheens who's just left um, Witness. But then you've got the likes of Danny Orr and, and Richard uh, Marshall as well uh, and Andrew Henderson. You know. Pl- they're the, the other side of the coin that people who like Ian Watson when he came to Salford have had potential and, and were able to grow into the role. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see which way they, they swing uh, in the point in this next coach. Yeah, it, it really is. Like I think it's it's mad. Like, I was um, just thinking back, and um, my like first couple of days covering the club was before, just before Wattle got announced as the full-time head coach he'd, he'd done it the back end of 2015 um, on like an interim basis after the Eston Irish but I don't think he'd been fully confirmed as the, as the head coach for, 20, for 2016 and beyond and um, 
I was just thinking back now to the the sort of coaches that were being talked about around that time. And I think that the the list of names you've just given there are a far more interesting and exciting group. Um, and that I know, like, as much as it's, it is a huge disappointment for me to see, see what I'll go, and especially at this time, there, there are a lot of, of exciting coaches knocking about that perhaps a lot more than, than there ever have been, really. Like, like you've named a few there, and, and people like Andrew Henderson. I know he's been at Warrington for, for two or three seasons now, but what he did with, with London really laid the groundwork for the job that, that Danny Ward's done, and, and, and Danny Ward's been, been linked to have uh, his name's been mentioned a lot around around this. And, um, and Andrew Henderson, having moved up here to, you know, to be based at Warrington, could that be something that works? I'm, I'm not sure. And I think there's, a, like you say, there's a lot of names um, going around that would, for me, they, they seem to, they, they all seem to play at the expensive, exciting kind of rugby. And I think that it's pretty telling that, that the list of names are coming for now is someone that sort of continues that, that tradition that, that what was put in place and, and makes the best use of the, the squad he's got there. And I think I'd like to see that be the priority on which a coach is, is um, appointed, like somebody who will will continue to, to, to play this attractive style of rugby because that's going to suit the squad that's in place already so you won't need a major upheaval. Um, but also that's that's become a bit of a, bit of a signature of Salford in my time covering them and I'd like to see that continue. Um, and hopefully, one of the like uh, any of the names on on the list that, that's being mentioned consistently would do that. So I would hope that um, one of them is, is selected. Yeah, other names we've got uh, James Ford from York, uh, Stuart Littler from Swinton, uh, Paul, similar to, to Ian Watson, he could follow the same path. Yeah, well, he spent twelve years at Salford as a player, didn't he? Stuart Littler over three hundred appearances for us and. You know, wore his heart on his sleeve, didn't he? And a fantastic ambassador for the club. Doing a very good job at Swinton as well, under under limited resources as well. I mean, yeah, why why not somebody like that? I mean, you can you can look at, you know, experienced coaches and coaches who've been around and done stuff and big name coaches. But I think for me, you just want somebody who's got that drive and that ambition. You know, somebody similar to Watto. I mean... As an experienced coach, who's a bit long in the tooth, has he got that drive and ambition? I'm not so sure. It depends who you go for. But I'd like to see, you know, a young coach with that ambition and that hunger to do well, and you know, someone like this, the sort of character as well. I think, I think Danny Ward's that sort of guy. I remember speaking to him at London a few years ago. I know he seems to be settled down there. He's moved down there with his family. So would he want to uproot and come back north? I'm not so sure. Uh, James Ford, who's at York's, you know, doing really well, I believe. Richard Marshall, who was at Halifax, did a great job there. Went to St. Helens as a, as the number two to Justin Olmack. I think he's still at St. Helens, if uh, if, I, if I'm right there. So uh, he's another one with a reputation. There's there's loads of good coaches in rugby league in this country. You dip into the championship. There's some real real good guys there. A lot of experience as well. So it's exciting. It's exciting to see who gets the job. And I'm sure that you know, that, that whoever picks it, whether it's King and, and, and Blaze, I'm sure they'll be interviewing lots of people and taking the time. Um, please, he said that in the press this week. It could be over a month. The beauty is now the season's finished. 
So there's plenty of time before next season starts. You know, ideally, they want somebody in, in as soon as possible, wouldn't it, before the pre-season starts and what have you. But they, they've got, it's Hobson's choice now. They've got plenty of time and don't make a rush decision. You know, get somebody there for the right reasons, somebody that's, that's in it for the long haul. What we don't want is somebody who's just going to come in for 12 months, two years. You want somebody now that's going to be like what I was and, and, and really build build something at Salford and uh, be in it for the long haul. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, it could be someone out of sort of left field. Um, I've been doing a bit, doing a bit of research, and I'm, I'm my um, sort of dark horse would would be uh, Ben and James Walker from Ipswich Jets. Um, I spoke to Ian Blees previously, and he's talked about um, how he, he tried to get a link up with with uh, Ipswich Jets, so he'll know all about that. Um, they won a lot of trophies in Australia in the in they won a Super Cup, uh, they won the NRL State Championship. Uh, they kind of play a, a quite attractive brand of rugby, which is something that, you know, the the club might want to to, to look at. Um they were shortlisted for the N uh, New Zealand Warriors shortlist, uh, but didn't get the job. And also they were in the running for the New York uh, job as well. So they are sort of prime um candidates for for a job like for us at Salford so it will be interesting to see if someone like that comes out of a, of left field Tom Yeah I mean I watched quite a bit of Ipswich Jets when, when they were in place because like you say the, the exciting style of rugby players I mean you talk about teams playing exciting they, they take it to the, the yeah. extreme and every every drop out is short every kick off yeah. is short and they try and recover it and they talk about where every other coach super league talks about completions, they're more interested in the time in possession. Yeah. So they're, they're happy for you to run backwards if, as long as you're keeping hold of the ball. Um, it's really... It, it, yeah, I'd love to see how it goes at a high level. And they seem to get linked with every NRL job and I'd love them to get one. And It doesn't seem like any NRL team is willing to take a punt on, on the pair of them. So perhaps it, it will need them to come to, to Super League to, to get that opportunity to improve that their style can be implemented anywhere. Um, my my concern would, with, with that would be it's such a radical change from what 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 any team plays. I think if you, without denigrating the state of the competition, like with Ipswich Jets and doing it at that um, lower grade competition over there, those players will buy into that because it's their opportunity to get noticed and, and you know, achieve success and things. I think Salford now, you've got you've got international players who in a World Cup year will want to do the things that get them noticed and get them picked in international squads. And I'm not 100% sure they would be uh, massively open to this radical style of, of, of rugby league, um, which made go harm their chances of get, getting picked for the respective national teams. Um, but I, I believe they're um, the pair of them, Ben and Shane, I think they've both got um, really big business interests in Australia outside of rugby leagues. They don't, they're um, a couple of guys who do it more for the love of the sport than, than the financial gain. Um, so if they could perhaps be able to continue their business interests and come over here then maybe it's a risk they're willing to take because, like I say, they they don't necessarily need the job for the financial gain. They do it for the, for the love of the sport and because they want to prove that their philosophy is is right for rugby league. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it, but I'm I'm not sure if if now is the right time or for Salford 
for them two in particular. It'll be a fun watch though, Paul, but it will be proper stressful. <laughs> yeah, certainly will, mate. Certainly will. It's 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 interesting times, isn't it, really, Rob? There's, you think when the, the season finishes, you're going to get a bit of a break, don't you, and, and some time off, but it's probably going to get even busier now. <laughs> like Thompson, they've had a week off work, probably been as busier than he's ever been. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's never a dull moment uh, being involved with Salford, is there? We've we've done names, Tom. So what what do you think the most important qualities um, our new coach has to bring to this to this club? It's a tough one because instantly I just think I want somebody who comes in and does exactly the same as as, as what what has done for the past five and a half years. I think what will be different this time round is whoever does come in won't have to deal with the millstone that, that was the CVA. And um, I don't think it can be understated really how how tough a, a scenario that was, and and how a lot of coaches would have would have struggled and, and wouldn't be able to do that. And Watto in his first major head coaching job in Super League just took it all in stride and and steered the club from from one financial difficulty to the next. And and it's only really now that it seems that under Paul King and Ian Blaze, we've got clear of that. The CVA's gone. There's, there's this real bright bright spot on the horizon. And, and you just think that I would have thought that, that what I would have really wanted to, to have one crack at it without that, that millstone around his neck. But in terms of a, a replacement, I think you, you want somebody who can, can get the best out of the players. I think what was great strength is that he he pushed some players in that squad to a level above what they've ever achieved before and what, what a lot of people thought they could achieve. And not only did he get the maximum out of their talent, I think he got a little bit more in, in terms of some players. Um, and that's that's really rare in coaches. I, I'm not sure you're going to find anyone who can who can do that. Um, the, the one example I think I've seen of it um, in Super League was actually Simon Wolford. And I know that, you know, what was essentially going to go to Huddersfield to replace him as it goes, but felt like he'd start to turn a corner um, with Huddersfield. And I've sort of followed them really closely the last 18 months or, or since Wolford got in charge because his first game was at the AJ Bell Stadium against Salford and Chris Thorman had been in charge for a bit and he'd been advising over Skype and stuff. But he'd come directly from the airport. He'd flown into Manchester and come straight to the airport uh, from the airport to the ground and took charge of the first game and he sat two seats behind me in the stands and I've never heard as much swearing in my life <laughs> and he was properly giving it to some of the players and stuff and, and, and I was thinking he must be horrible to, to be coached by and like, I'd hate it because he was he was properly giving it and Luke Robinson that night had the headset on and he was screaming into the walkie-talkie and I thought you could not pay me enough to be Luke Robinson that night trying to decipher and deliver them messages when he was just swearing and shouting down the walkie-talkie at him. But ultimately, it, whatever it was, it seemed to work because he went into that that club at a time when the squad was nothing like it is now and he's been there and, and he developed the players that are there and he, he managed to shape that squad and he left them, I think, in, like we were saying earlier about the, the opportunities and, and what a good squad that is for, for what to go into. I think Simon Wolford's responsible for a huge part of that and 
I think you you do due diligence on the kind of character he is and, and make sure that it's the sort of character you want around the place. But from from the outside, from from what I've seen and what he achieved there, I think he could do a, a lot worse than than getting him in. You want to try and commentate at one row in front of him. I've got the Ryan Wilkinson bleeper on hand for every time he opened his mouth. Um, but yeah, we asked for uh, we asked for a lot of um, asked our listeners really uh, what they thought would be important. For, for a head coach uh, Stuart Smart said buying into the team's ethos keeping the team spirit going uh, burden it capes honesty and transparency um, Gary Unz with passion enthusiasm discipline good work ethic creating team creating good team spirit and uh, Dave Johnson said loyalty I suppose loyalty works both ways sort of new coaches come in uh, and if they keep delivering then, then they'll stay loyal to them won't they Paul yeah, of course they will. Yeah, you, you need that respect, don't you, as well? And that respect's got to be earned. So, yeah, you want a coach to come in and you want your players to run through a brick wall for him, don't you? And you, you I know we shouldn't really keep talking about what will. We, we should. But when uh, when players sort of mention what in their interviews and that, they all, they're all a bit in awe of him, aren't they? They want to do well for him. They want to impress him. And, and he has that over him. So I think if you've got that in your camp and that, that sort of... That respect and, and willingness to play for your coach, I, th- I think that's that's a big thing. That I, I don't, I don't so sure whether shouting and bawling always works, but it goes a long way, doesn't it? I think sometimes. But yeah, we want someone to come in who uh, who, who commands respect, really. Yeah, I think for me, it's about it's got to be a good psychologist. I think the whole club have, have stepped out of the, the shadows into the spotlight now, and we've we kind of thrown the shackles off, uh, you know, the self doubt and and the sort of the nervousness that we've had previously Tom and you know this this team and, and this club is going forward and I think it just needs a, a coach who, who can sort of tap into that and, and continue to keep the wheels moving yeah we'll need a coach that can coach as well and, and be good tactically uh, but you also need somebody who can know how to play how to make the players tick I'd, I'd agree with that definitely and I think that's one of the reasons that, that Paul Rowley features so high on, on a lot of people's thinking is that I don't necessarily buy into the, the, the suggestion that it would be a, a lazy choice or anything like that by getting the assistant in. I think if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. And, and Roly knows the he knows the squad. They know him. Not too much w- w- would need to change. It'd be a lot of an easier transition. Um, and he's also proven that you know, as a head coach, he, he achieved great things with Lee back when promotion wasn't really a possibility. Um, and then he he, he did. Similar with with Toronto, you know, got them through through um, League One and and into a decent position in the, in the Championship before um, he was he was let go from there. So I think we, I think he, he would be the um, the front runner for me if if he wants the job because I think that I got the impression that that being an assistant suited him and he didn't particularly want the the responsibilities and the stresses of being a a day to day head coach again he's almost been there done that and, and maybe in the future would want it but not necessarily at this time so um I'm not not certain that he'd be the that he would want the job necessarily but if he does I think that would be a logical logical solution because like you say you almost want as much continuity as possible and um, I think that's that's one way to achieve it is you get the guy who's been around there for 18 months and, and knows what's what's going on and, and, and what the individuals in the playing group are like, not just as players, but as, but as people. I think you save a lot of time if, if your new coach doesn't have to come in and, and get get to know 
30 blokes and on their personalities from day one. So that would, that would definitely be an option for me. It's going to be it's going to be fascinating, Paul, over the next few weeks to see who comes in and, and takes this club forward. Yeah, just 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 going back to Paul Rowling there. I mean, if you are Paul Rowling now, look, looking at this, and he, he he must he's an ambitious guy, I think, and he you probably want to achieve things in rugby league. I, I admired him when he was at Lee because I thought that brand of rugby that Lee played for those those couple of seasons, the way they used to move the ball out wide on the first tackle, it was really really exciting, and they played a really expansive game and it was it was close to the knuckle sometimes they were very aggressive but they were very exciting to watch and I think he brought quite a bit of that to Salford last season I think he deserves a bit of credit last season because he I think he had a big part in the way we went on that run I think some of the work they did with the forwards was particularly good but if you are Paul Rowley now what, what are you thinking now you mean I mean you've had a taste of, of Wembley You've, you've been to a grand final as a number two so the spotlight wasn't necessarily on you it was on, on Watto but he must be thinking now I've got a bit of ambition here. I, I could really do something with this club. I've been here for a while. The, the lads know me and that. Do I want to put myself forward and, and really make a name for myself? And I, I think he, he possibly will do now. I think he, he could have changed his mind about things. And I think if that was me, I, I'd, I'd want to have a go. Because otherwise you'd be regretting for probably for for a long time what, what could have been. Well, what could I do? Could I have done something with Salford? So I think we might see Paul Roller putting his hand up there for the job and He'd, be, he'd probably be my choice, Rob. I think, you know, I'd want that continuity there and probably bring somebody in to, to work alongside him and, and, and help him. I think he'd need an assistant as well, but um, he'd, he'd probably have somebody in mind who he could bring into it to help him on the way. But it's going to be interesting. It really is. Like I said, I think there'll be lots of candidates. Loads of people will go for that job. I reckon he'll be talking maybe 100. Easy. Um, so that Ian Blee's Paul King got a massive choice to make and it's going to be exciting to see who they pick up pick as the manager yeah and we spoke about it for about 50 minutes so it gives them a chance to, to flick through the papers while they're listening to this Tom definitely yeah There's a, we, we've named every possible option I think so if you can find some that aren't on or, or we've discussed then they've done well uh, other news, um, club have, have got a market, well, a uh, advertising thing going on on Twitter, uh, resurrected. Uh, Paul, Friday the 13th coming up, um, very exciting times. We don't know what's going to get resurrected, uh, but we're excited about it. No, it sounds exciting this Friday. I think there's uh, there's, there's things happening, isn't there? And, um, you know, we can all use our imagination and, and guess what things are. But, uh, yeah, I think there's some, some big things happening at the club. Obviously, we're going to have some recruitment, aren't we? And, and things like that happening. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to watch this space. Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting, Tom. It's about, like I say, building the club and, you know, improving that reputation and, and improving the image and anything, you know, like that will help. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, there's, the recruitment's gone on for a while throughout the year and, and, and sort of sort of got this policy of not announcing anything until the, until the season's done and for the, for the clubs and the players are getting them off and, you know, they haven't liked how things have been handled with players who've left the club in the past. So they uh, they like to do things at the end of the season when it's not affecting a player's current team or anything like that. So I think, you know, there, there will be um, there's be quite a lot to come out of the club over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, anything like this, marketing opportunities and things like that. Like I said, like I said before, um, the club off the field has got itself in 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 such a much stronger position than it was um, five years ago. So the, that all, almost feeds into the, the coaching search for me in that you know, Salford now is a different proposition to what it was 
uh, when Wattle got the job. So I would hope that the the standard of candidates and things that, that are interested in the job is, is also at that level that that means that the club can continue to move forward. Yeah, Paul, I've narrowed it down. It's either going to be um, we're going to have Lance Todd as a, as coach on Friday or we're bringing back Chris Tassel. Could be either of them. Somebody mentioned on Twitter we were bringing back Paul Carriage. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Halloween the other week. That's one too many scares for Friday the 13th, that, Tom. Uh, other, other news. Um, other news. Season ticket sales um, are, are going well. Uh, in the first week, people not getting put off by Ian Watson's departure. Tom, and it's, it's good to see that, obviously, the fans want to help the club. 100%. And, you know, there's no bigger reflection of that than the fact that was it 90% of season ticket holders donated the, the 2020 money back to the club? So I think you can you can see from that just, just how much the club means to, to the fans and how much the fans want to want to help in any way they can. So, you know, it's a, it's a community club. It's a community-owned club. And I think that that's, that's important to people. And at what is a very difficult time for, for everyone, the fact that people are doing whatever they can to, to help the club is... is Really admirable, and you know, I've got. A, I just think it's a brilliant reflection of, of of the sort of people involved in the club and, and fans of the club and everything. Like I, I mentioned last time I was on the podcast, the thing that shocked me most about Salford is that every person I've ever met involved in the club and every fan I've ever spoken to, they've all been been brilliant people. And I think that you know, it's, it's reflective of that in, in in the fact that people want to do as much as they can to help. Yeah, the early bird offers as well, Paul. Fantastic uh, for us fans. Obviously, it's a difficult time with, with the COVID situation and how it affects the economy and everyone's personal finances. So the prices are, are good uh, if you can afford to, to, to get one. Yeah, they certainly are. It's good that they've got the tickets out early. And I, I'd just like to echo what, what Tom said. I think it was great the way supporters last season you know, donated the money and things like that. I mean, you know, you know there's some clubs in in Super League where you probably wouldn't have that mentality of support but I think at Salford you, you, you do you have you have supporters who really care don't you and I don't think there's many Salford supporters who take the club for granted I think they you know they really cherish every little bit of success that we get and you know I, I think they really cherish, cherish the club and it'll, it'll do anything for the club they walk sort of a thousand miles for the club a lot of supporters so uh, I think that's, that's good to add that there might not be like tens of thousands of them but I think you've got some really real quality people there so uh, I'm glad that the season tickets are going well and uh, you know uh, I, I'm sure when people can go back we've said this over the last couple of weeks when, when the stadium start opening hopefully sooner rather than later that we're going to see a real hunger uh, you know people have missed it you know people I've spoken to They've missed the, uh, the the camaraderie of seeing your friends at the, the game, and uh, you know the social aspect of it as well. And you know, it's kind of like a bit of a family at Salford sometimes, can't? I know when I go, you you speak to people and you you have a really good day, don't you? And see all your friends there, and, that, and I've really missed that. So uh, I'm looking forward to that when it all starts again. Yeah, other bits of news: uh, the Wild Thing website is down at the moment because they're getting ready to put the new merchandise uh, on there for us to go and purchase it which is great for us fans with Christmas coming up uh, Paul will be will be there ready uh, to spend our well-earned cash on on Salford merchandise yeah I, I got one of them stickers for the back of my car the what I was having stickers <laughs> so I don't know what to do with that and I'm, I'm going to leave it in 
I'm gonna leave it in because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like that. I'll leave it in because I like Wall. So, uh, so yeah, I'm sure there'll be some some good stuff. I mean, um, I'm not so sure whether we're having a new shirt next season. I presume. I presume we will do. And um, you know, there's been some great merchandise this season with with the Wembley and things like. It's always good to see that. And uh, you know, Wild things seem to be doing a, a good job. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's always a good time at Christmas as well, isn't it? To uh, to get the merchandise out and and, and the season tickets. So uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the new range of things. Have you ever tried to rip one of them stickers off off your window pole in your car? It's, it's like a three man job. No, I have still got stickers in my van from. Um, I've still got a Salford City Red sticker in my van. Yeah. So it shows that shows how old old that is because we've been we've not been them for a while, have we? So no, I just leave stuff like that. And I've still got my nineteen ninety seven kit. You know, we little. A kit thing in the van, you know, with a little, you get like a little bung thing that you wet and stick it on the window. You know, you remember them, them kits? Yeah, I've still got that. I've still got that one, the old Sabora one. So, uh, nah, just leave things in. <laughs> sounds like Flint. Sounds like the Flintstone made it maybe all this, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> just back, stacking them on top of each other. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they what they come up with. It's all good quality stuff. So uh, we'll be looking forward to to that being on sale. Uh, other news. Uh, the Salford Devils uh, Foundation uh, are involved in a mental health, a virtual mental health session, uh, help with help from the offload uh, rugby league uh, cares. Uh, fantastic thing for people to get involved with, uh, Tom. If, if if you're struggling, especially with with lockdown and the corona. Yeah, definitely. I think that you know um, rugby league cares and, and state of mind and, and, and all sort of. Um, Good cases on the periphery of rugby league are what makes the sport so great. And, and like it's, it's sport and it's it's a game, and, and we all enjoy watching the game. But the the great stuff that the, the the clubs and the different foundations and the charities around the game are managing to do in in the wider public and things is is unbelievable, and it's it's really important stuff. And you know, it's good to see that. I, um, I've never been to anywhere. I was planning on going to one of the offload sessions um, to see what they like, the state of mind at the start of the year. And we've obviously had to go virtual because of, um, because of COVID and things. But they're obviously a really important part of, of what they offer and what they provide. And you know, all of that, them sorts of things are, are really admirable. And it's great that the sport is able to facilitate that sort of stuff happening. Yeah, a couple of ex-Reds involved, uh, Paul, in, in, in the next few weeks. Robbie Hunter-Paul's on the 12th of November and uh, Lee Jewett's on the 19th of November. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic thing for, for people to, to, to get involved in and, and obviously let a little bit of steam off. Yeah, certainly. It is at any time of the year, isn't it? Things like that. But I think at the moment, mental health, it, it's, a, it's a very big thing, like you both just mentioned there, with lockdown and things like that, you know, it's a difficult time, you know, dark nights now and it's winter time and it's, you know, you've got to keep talking to people, haven't you, and, and keep your head up, keep your head up and you keep talking and, you, you know, don't don't get get yourself lonely out there. I mean, that, that rugby league cares. I've really enjoyed the, the Facebook page that they've got. They've got a terrific Facebook page that has a lot of, a lot of nostalgia on there and old videos of old games and things like that. I've kept myself on, on top of that. So, uh, so, yeah, they do a terrific job and... Uh, you know, the ambassador that they have working for them as well. They, they, they do us proud, really. It really is really is good to see. Yeah, it's on Zoom. Um, it's free. You don't have to uh, put a password in. You just put the, the Zoom code, which is 833 and it's every Thursday 
um, at six forty-five. Yeah, we've 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 always been Skype, haven't we, Paul? But it's uh, it's a one, it's a new platform we could uh, sort of look into in the future. Also, I was thinking for next season, Paul, we could we could start doing video as well. We, I've got a, I've got a program in mind we could use, so that might be something to look forward to uh, with your flowing locks. I've had my hair cut. I've had, a sh- I've had short hair for ages, though. Yeah, I've not seen you since, what, February? No, no, well, I, well, I've kept on top of it, you see. I, I've kept it nice. I might grow it, though, now. I might grow it in the close season, but I'm hoping next season, mate, that we can uh, we can get back in the same room again. It'd be nice to nice to see you again, you know, if we can get back in the studio at, at Solver Radio or something. That'd be nice, because it's always, it's always better when we do it in the same room, so... I'm hoping uh, that that comes to fruition because, uh, like I said, I've not I've not seen you since the Wigan game, have I? Yeah, I don't think. When was that March? Yeah, yeah. It was a week before I went to. Was it a week before France, or was it when we came back? I think no, it was when we came back from France, wasn't it? And then that was the last game, wasn't it? And then the cast game got postponed. So yeah, yeah, Zoom will be good, videos will be good, but we can't beat being in the same room, especially with me anyway. But you've missed me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's good fun, and we've got loads of loads of stuff to look forward to uh, next next season. Um, what we'll do now, we've done all the big news. Uh, what we'll do now, we'll look back at the uh, the win uh, against Wakefield, our finest final uh, game of the season. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So. Salford were victorious right. against Wakefield. They won 28 points to 20, uh, Paul. Uh, a good win, a good final win for Ian Watson's men. It was. It, it, do you know what, Rob? I think it's been a really good end to the season. You know, coming back from, from, from Wembley against Leeds, obviously that was a bit of a blow, wasn't it? Losing uh, losing by, by, by a point in, in, in a terrific final, you know, that we give everything. And, and that was a big body blow for the players. You can see what, what it meant to the players at the end of that game. And, you know how they dropped to the knees at the end there. So um, obviously we had that defeat against Wigan when we came back, but then we've won three games on the spin. Then, if if my calculations are right, we beat St. Helens, didn't we? Then, then, then the Catalans game, and then, and then Wakefield. So real positive end to the season. Uh, some some great terrific performances. You know, Paulie Parley played every game this season. I think he's been tremendous and. You know, it, it was a real positive note that game against Wakefield. I thought we played really well in that first half. Obviously, Wakefield came back at us, but no, it was it was a good end to the season and a good performance. Yeah, it was a good start uh, from yeah. Salford. Um, lots of pressure put on that Wakefield uh, sort of line, and Inu crashed over for the for the first try, um, and then obviously Evels then try, scored a try in his final appearance for Salford to make it ten nil, and and Salford were, were in were in control there, Paul. They certainly was. We were playing some good rugby as well, playing some terrific rugby, some terrific attacking rugby. And we, I thought we were the more enthusiastic side. I thought we were tackling harder, we were running harder and looked the, the toughest of the two sides, really. Wakefield didn't look very interested in that first half. They looked like they were coasting and they were already on the on the beach ready for the end of the season. And um, I think that's to be admired, that there, there was nothing to play for. It was a bit of a dead rubber game. It was only sort of pride to play for. And uh, no, we 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 did. We showed some really good touches and uh, some hunger there in that game. I think I said in my match report about Tuilal here's kicking game, I thought I've criticised him over the last few weeks. I think we both mentioned it on the podcast. And I thought he really brought his A game to that, that, that Wakefield match. His short kicking game was good. He was kicking for distance. And every set we seemed to, to, to play was a really economical set. If we didn't score points on it, 
we did a really good kick and and, and made Wakefield work uh, work hard coming out of yardage. So I, I thought we the first half was was really good. Yeah, Salford extend their lead at interception uh, by Ed Chamberlain. Uh, run fully, what, 50 yards, maybe 50, 60 yards uh, to score. Kind of like, and I think Ian Watson says it um, in, in his press conference, it's kind of um, gives, he's giving players an opportunity to, 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 play, to state the claim for next season. Obviously, him not being there now, um, these players will be, hopefully. So, you know, they, they've still got a job to do and they've still got to impress whoever comes in next. Yeah, he did well there, Ed. He kept a cool head. He had to kick the ball through there, didn't he? And um, he did. He 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 kept, he kept calm and, and didn't sort of jump at the at the ball, did he? He kicked it through and, and made sure he was going to going to score. And he's got an awful lot of pace, Ed. And he's been unlucky with injuries, as we've said before. But since he's come back into the team, he's he looked like he's really staked to claim there. And he's looked at home on on the on the wing and in the, in the centre position. So uh, I hope he stays for next season. I don't know what was going on there. I know, as I said before, Chris Wellham said about Ed Chamberlain play because Watto wanted to have a look at him because he wasn't tied up for next season. So I don't know what, what his contract situation is, but I definitely have Ed Chamberlain at Salford next season. I think he's been a really good signing for us, but been really unlucky with injuries. So, uh, so yeah, but that gave us a, a real foothold in the game, that Rob, when uh, Ed Chamberlain went over. Yeah, uh, Wakefield it back. Shortly after, then just for half time, um, try by Tuilola here. Lovely Blake, lovely break by Akers, uh, sending uh, Tuilola here over to score. And at 22 for half time, kind of showed that we were we were in total control. Complete control, Rob. Complete control, and, and it was a great try that from Tuilola here, and he played really well in, on that game. But I think Andy Akers deserves an awful lot of credit as well. Deserves a big mention because. I've been very excited about him, his signing. I think he's a fantastic player and he could be one of the top hookers in, in the league next season. I know we're losing Joey Lussick, but I think Andy Akers is, you know, might be a bit controversial, but I think he's just as good as Joey Lussick. I think he give us a, gives us a, an extra dimension. I think he's got lots and lots of pace. He's a really good distributor at, at dummy half, he, but he, he's got that lightning speed you know, from, from off the mark there and he makes a lot of yards and you know, if you're making those yards and you've got someone on your shoulder like Tuilola here, there's going to be opportunities there for, for breaks and, and, and scoring tries. So I think we're going to need somebody else at hooker because Connor Jones is going back to Featherstone. So we do, we, I know we've got Chris Atkin who can fill in at hooker, but I'd like to see us sign another number nine in the close season to, to give Andy a, a bit of backup. Yeah, Wakefield came out second half, pegged us back a bit, really. Uh, two tries from, is it Tanganoa? Tanganoa and Hampshire closed the gap uh, to two points, but then Salford at the death, Tyrone McCarthy managed to, to manage to ground the ball and Salford were home and nosed at 28-20. Yeah, that Tanganoa looked really good. I mean, he, he was linked with Salford a couple of years ago. I think he was playing at Halifax at the time and there was talk of us signing him. Obviously, it didn't work out and... You know, he played really well in that game. He's a good forward, so he might be one to look out for if he's out of contract. But no, Tyrone McCarthy, very pleased for Tyrone. It was his first try of the season, I believe, so it's got him off uh, the nudie run if they still do that <laughs> at the end of the season, if you don't score. So very pleased for him. And, and we needed that try there. He just gave us that breathing space and, and took us to back out to another eight-point lead again. So, uh, so yeah, it was a good kick, good play from Tuilal here. I think he forced a repeat set with a good kick and then put that kick in for uh, for, for Tyrone McCarthy to score. I wonder if, wonder how, if they did a, a, a nudie run on Zoom. Or how 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 was was my Mad Monday like over Zoom? Because obviously everything's shutting it, so be interested to see what what happened really. 
Yeah, perhaps they've not had it yet. Perhaps they're going to wait till December because if they lift this lockdown at the start of December, they could have it then, couldn't they? Maybe, maybe. So, yeah, so we end end of the season with a win, Paul. Obviously, in Watson's final game, I think it's good that we do end it with a win because obviously it gives us a bit of bit of happiness and a bit of confidence moving forward uh, to next season and and what what is to come. Yeah, my dad always used to say that. When we played at the Willows, you won your last game. He always used to say to me on the way out back to the car, it's always good, Paul, that you win your last game. And I always used to say to him, well, why? Because the season's over. And I went, because you go into the close season on a win and then you come back, you remember that game when you come back into the new season. I don't, I don't know if he was right. It was just one of his little sayings that he, he used to come up with, uh, a bit like you know the, the confidence one that we talk about. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it was good to, to get the win. I think it does... I think three wins on the spin at the end of the season I thought was really good and I think it showed the, the character that the team's got and that bit of consistency. I mean, the, the Catalan games, I, I didn't see the Catalans game. I couldn't get to it because of work and I've not watched, I've only seen the bits of the highlights. So from what I was listening to on the radio and what you told me, we was absolutely mustered in that game. We played really, really well. Um, we played well against Wakefield. We, we ground up a big win against St. Helens, albeit they're, they're sort of youngsters. But it was another, it was a good win. So... Looking at the league table at the end of the season, I think I feel really hard done to really that, that we've not finished higher than than what we have done. You know, with that six point deduction and obviously the, the game against Warrington where they, they just put us down as a loss when we didn't play, and the two points we lost against Toronto. So you're looking at that sort of ten points there. So I, I think the table's a bit false this season, and I think we can we can take a bit of comfort from that and and really attack 2021 because I think 2021 is going to be a big big season for us. I mean. We get this, this this coaching right and some recruitment right. We can have a really really good year again next year. I think the people playing podcast bingo own Paul are going to be very disappointed. You didn't say where does confidence go and where's it come from. I mean they'll have they have people there with lines now waiting, just waiting for him to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so. Good, good win. Big thanks for your three-word match reports, man of the matches. Uh, Ricky P, great effort, lads. His man of the match was Inu. Uh, Colin Reynolds finished on a high. Atkin, Graham Jones, another great season. Inu, Natalie Taylor, job well done. Uh, all of them. We've had a great season. I think she's right. I think we've had we've had a great season, and and we've got the sort of the people. Uh, in the squad, the, the players there who, who are still hungry for success and still want to achieve, and um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that you know we'll continue this 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 march forward, we, 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 which we which we're going. Uh, Colin Wilson, very entertaining game. Uh, Atkin, Roy Ellaby, your mate Roy Ellaby, uh, nearly blew it to it. Do you think that's a a thing, Paul? Obviously, with the um, with Wakefield coming back into it. Do you think that's something that we should be looking at getting better with? Obviously, because a lot of times we've we've just kind of like got in front and and then just won the game. But being in front for a while and closing out a game, do you think that's something we're going to have to look at for next season? Well, yeah, that Wakefield game had the danger of going like that Castleford game, didn't it? You know, we played Castleford, didn't we? Went 18 points up, didn't we? 24 points up, lost the game 37-30. So, yeah, I think... It's difficult because Wakefield are no mugs. They're not a bad side. They've got some decent players. So um, I thought it was a good result. And just speaking of Roy Ellaby, it's funny because when I was at the game, Roy must have been watching the, the match with his wife, Alison. And um, I think he must have been working and he was delayed. So he was watching on catch-ups. He must have been about 20 minutes behind. 
Um, and he was texting me saying, Paul, what's the score? Because obviously I'm in the stand at Edley doing the report. And I said, well, why do you want to know if, you, if you're behind? So I was telling him like live updates and he must have been sort of grinning on his couch while his wife was watching sort of 20 <laughs> minutes behind. So we won at the end. So, uh, so if his wife's listening, you know, I've called him out there now and grasped him up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it made me laugh because I don't know how he must have kept a straight face. But no, I, I thought Wakefield... You know they're a useful team, aren't they? I don't think there's any dummy teams in Super League now, Rob. I think next season's going to be another tough one again. I think sides are going to recruit, and I think points are going to be they're going to be hard to come by, aren't they? Every win's going to be um, going to be sort of a sacred two points, really. So, uh, so no, I, I thought Wakefield showed a lot of character to come back in the game. They they had players playing for a contract as well. They, there was guys like Copy, and I think there was a few others there that were. The futures were a bit undecided, so they were playing to to impress their coach Chris Chester, you know, to to uh, to get their futures sorted out. So I thought, on the whole, it was a good display. Yeah, David Deakin, well done, lads. Um, John Waite, sloppy but entertaining. Eric Rawson, uh, fitting finale. Uh, Adam Adam Arbery, uh, thank you, Flash. Yeah. Uh, Mark Flanagan's final game before he retires. Uh, what a what a fantastic player he's been uh, for us. Um, you know his million pound miracle pass. All Soul fans will remember that forever. But even you know before he got to Salford with St Helens, in he's been a, a wonderful player and a great sort of ambassador for the sport. Yeah, I think so. Nice, nice fella as well, Mark Flanagan. And uh, yeah, I think he's worked his socks off at Salford. He really has. He does. He's done an awful lot of the unsung stuff. I know Wattle spoke really highly of him, didn't he? You know, he used to call him the glue that holds the team together, and you know his his work between attack and defence. God, that's that's a, a podcast bingo. I must have mentioned that so many times. <laughs> that that glue and his, his game management. There's another one. For oh you. yes, but uh, <laughs> on a roll though. <laughs> but no, I, I think he's been tremendous, Matt Flanagan. Um, my wife said to me the week, she's a bit of a, a flash fan. I think it's because of his coffee shop and his good looks. But um, <laughs> she said, uh, do you think he'll, he'll do a U-turn? I said, why? What do you mean? She went, well, he's only 32. And this, my missus doesn't know bugger all about rugby league, but so I said, do you know what, Ellen? I said, I'd like I'd like to think you might be onto something there. Perhaps he might do it a bit of a U-turn and, and stay another season, but it doesn't look that way now, does it? But I, I was hoping he was. He was going to stay for one more year because I wanted him to see, to see him win a trophy itself. And I know he won the grand final with St. Helens, but you know, he's played in a grand final for us and got beat in a Challenge Cup final. You know, players like Flash, you've had, had careers like that and worked the socks off all the careers. You want to see him win trophies, don't you? And Yeah, I thought he might just stay another year. Perhaps he will do. Perhaps he'll change his mind in the close season if you're listening. You know, uh, I, I hope I've planted that seed in your head. <laughs> you just want a free coffee. That's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a great win for Salford. And like I say, they've had a, we've had a tough season full of ups and downs and with the COVID situation, I think it's great the players now have an opportunity to, to, to rest them weary bodies ready for the next season. Definitely, I think so, Rob. I think it's been it's been a difficult 12 months for everybody. I think the players as well. Are, you know, yeah, I think if we'd have had a, a fair crack of the whip this season and, and just played like a normal season where your home games are at your home, your away games are away from home and all the games follow on sort of seven, you know, if it had just been normal... I think we'd have done really, really well. I think we did well anyway under the circumstances, but it's made things really difficult for sides with with the smaller squads, if you like. Um, you know, it, it's been tough. 
And, and every team's had to do it tough. So, yeah, I, I just hope the players get a nice rest now. I'm looking forward to watching the uh, the rest of the season on the television. I think it starts tomorrow night at the playoffs, so I'm going to watch some of the playoffs when I, hopefully if I get home from... Oh, I'm not working, am I? Can I say if I get home from work on time, <laughs> I'm off tomorrow so I can watch the, the Super League. I'm going to enjoy that. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing you again, mate, and, uh, and, and doing it all again next year. Yeah, that's, it's going to be, like you say, no no games now, Paul. But we've still got lots to go at with the, in the off-season with uh, Ian Watson's replacement and, uh, you know, other things. We've got a few interview li- interviews lined up with, with players uh, to talk about the careers. I spoke to Chris Atkin uh, a couple of hours ago, so that was a fantastic interview with him. He told us all about his, uh, his career and how he went through the university process and, you know, playing for Swinton, playing for Ulkington Rovers. And it's a really, really interesting uh, listen. Uh, I'll probably put that out towards the end of the week. So that's well going to be worth tuning in for, Paul. Yeah, certainly, yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll get some more lined up, some some ex-players as well. Hopefully some of the older older generation. I'm sure there's some of them we can tap up over the year. Uh... Over the uh, over the close season to keep the, the the listeners entertained and looking forward, like you said, looking forward to finding out of the new new coaches so I can start stalking him and remembering <laughs> <laughs> him like he's doing me what. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to a bit of time off as well. I'm going to try and do a bit more of my book while uh, while I've got a chance now because I've not got to write the previews and stuff like that. So I'm I'm looking forward to doing a bit of that as well. It's tomorrow starting tomorrow. Did a bit last weekend as well. So uh, that the, the thing is with my book, I don't know where to end it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're getting to the chat. I was going to end it at the grand final. I was going to end it at the challenge cup. And I thought, oh, what do I do now about what? Oh, do I end it there? Or do I end it before what? Oh, I don't know. So I'll have to decide. <laughs> you end it when you pull that sticker off that off the window of the van. No, I can't do that. I can't <laughs> do that. I can't. I'm leaving it in. Leaving it in. <laughs> so yeah. So there's also we're going to do a player of the year award thing. We're not to, to be honest. It, it's the fact the season kind of finished quite abruptly didn't realize so I didn't really have a chance to plan it so I think this week Paul me and you get our heads together and organize a uh, a poll or something for for our listeners to have a vote and see if uh, see who they pick and we'll hopefully deliver the, uh, the the trophy to the player I think we've got what what you got as well you what you've got to keep in mind as well listeners while you while I'm while you deciding who to vote for is it's a bit of a cursed trophy because every time somebody wins it they leave so put, bear that in mind when you when you start casting your vote. Would you, would you say that, Paul? Yeah, if it's someone you've had enough of that you don't like, vote for them and they'll, they'll be on they'll be on the way, won't they? So <laughs> it has that that seems to have happened, doesn't it? But yeah. like you said, the season's ended ended really quickly, hasn't it? I mean, we, we had games left to play against Ulkar and Cast, didn't we? Mm. That, that, that have been cancelled because of the situation and that. So uh, it has all ended in a bit of a, a bit of a hurry, really, hasn't it? But obviously, the, there's the playoffs still to go at. So I presume the players have been be kicking about for the next couple of weeks, won't they? So uh, so yeah, if we get, we'll we'll draw draw some uh, nominations up this week, mate, can't we? And uh, and then put that out to the listeners. Yeah, and we're so close to beating our our best ever uh, listener. A yearly listener figure as well so I'm hoping that we'll get over that in the next couple of weeks and I'll be able to thank you all for your for your for your efforts listening in every week because it's like you say it's it's just me me and Paul usually talking rugby league for for an hour and it's taking an hour out of your life to to listen to us it's and it's amazing I would say thank you from the bottom of my heart really for for, for tuning every week really an hour what? <laughs> an hour. God, this one's been longer than an hour. Yeah, we had a lot to talk about in this one, though, didn't we? Yeah, we certainly did, mate. Yeah, we certainly did. It's been a big week, hasn't it, for, yeah, for the club? And you know, um, just now that now that the dust is settling on it, it's um, 
it does feel like the end. It feels like a bit of an end of an era, really. It does feel a bit sad, you know, yeah. without what I think what has become, you know, with him being local and playing for for the club. It, it, yeah, it does just feel a bit empty this week. But um, I'm I'm sure the new guy who comes in is going to be full of passion and full of pride. And once we start getting get going again, you know, things move on, don't they? This happens in in sport. I was saying that to to a lad who phoned me the other day. It, it does. You know, players move on, don't they? And we've had it before, where your favourite players left when you, you know, when you were younger, and and you're distraught at the time, aren't you? And you know, someone else comes along and, and takes the place, and, and then you you move on, don't you? So uh, there's always another season, there's always another match, and uh, you're only as good as your last match, aren't you? That's another one my dad always says, and I think it's true that I think I, I really do. I think things get forgotten, don't they? It's like bad defeats. You can have a bad, an awful defeat. You go and win the week after, and it's it's forgotten. It's the same with, with victories. You can you can beat the champions or whatever. Then the week after, you lose to somebody else, and that's all that gets remembered until you play again. So I'm sure when the season kicks off, we'll all be ready and and right behind the new man in charge. Opportunity club seeks opportunist. That's where we that's where we are now. You need to give this opportunity thing a. a I don't get that really, this opportunity. I, I, I do get it and then I, I don't Let, let's hope we're moving on from an opportunity club now let's hope we're going forward as an ambitious club because uh, we've got it in our locker Rob we really have there's so much potential at Salford and I think what has brought that out in us I think it just we just need to go on to that next level now and uh, and win something, and, and and I really truly believe that we can. I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm biased and I've got myself with glasses on. I really do believe that we can win a trophy. I, I didn't believe it ten years, ten fifteen years ago. I didn't. I thought I'd never see him win a trophy in my lifetime. I don't think they're good enough. Um, you know, I support him. I love the club, but I never thought we could. But over this last few years now, I, yeah, I think the club's come come an awful long way in the last five years or so. I think it really has on and off the field, and uh, it's exciting. It really is. Yeah, um, what, what then? Yeah, you made a point there, Pido. What, what I'm thinking is, when when do we stop? In your eyes, because obviously I, I'll tell you when I think we we stop being the opportunity club. We 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 stop being the opportunity club when we're cemented in that top sort of four and five for ten years straight. Because we need to build that profile. We need to build that culture that every year we get in that playoffs and every year we, it's expected. And then the crowd come because they expect us to be in the the uh, the, the playoffs every year. And that and that's the that's the sort of the transformation. That's where we are. Yeah, we we've 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 started to 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 reach the heights of a of a Challenge Cup and a and a Grand Final. And it's it's just about staying in that in that zone now. I think for the next sort of three and three and five years, going to be a big challenge. Obviously, new man coming in, new ideas. Um, you're just hoping that we we find the the right person to continue uh, keeping us going in the right direction. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, when you talk about opportunity clubs, I think there's a lot of opportunity clubs in Super League. You know, you've only really got the cartel of sort of St. Helens, Warrington, and Wigan and Leeds. Those four teams really that that are probably not opportunity clubs. They're like the the sides that. Sort of win everything. Every other club really has had a, a long barren spell without really winning a championship, haven't they? You, you, you're going back sort of 40 years, be, almost between Hull Car and Hull. Castlewood's never won it. Warrington's not won it since 55. So you, there's an awful lot of teams there. Huddersfield, another one. We're all going for that that goal, aren't we, of, of winning that, that, that championship? And um, you know what? I'd love to see our Super League competition become like the NRL where different teams get to the grand final every season. I mean, I know they've got Melbourne, who seem like they're head and shoulders above everybody else, but I think the Super League's becoming that way. 
I think it's getting it's getting tougher. I really do. You've only got to look at you know certain teams like Castle that have come up, haven't they? We're sort of knocking on the door now. You've got Warrington who've come up over the last few years, and that's great mm-hmm. for the game. It really is, and we've obviously we're going to have a new team coming into the Super League next year. We don't know who it's going to be yet, do we? They're going to decide that over the next few weeks. So I think 2021 is going to be a really, really exciting season, and I can't wait for it. Martin Sadler's just tweeted, Paul, and he's 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 recommended that Salford go for Andy Last, the whole coach. What do you make of that? Andy Last. Andy Last from Hull. It, well, he's all coach at the moment. I know, but what I'm saying is, if we're looking for a new coach, then he'll be ah, available, right. won't he? Yeah, that, that, that I'm a bit baffled by that because Andy Last has probably been at Hull, man and boy, hasn't he? Really? Uh, I mean, Andy Last. I don't, I'm not a massive expert on him, but I think he come through Hull sort of the same time as Lee Radford did. Yeah, um, I'd say he's probably a couple of years younger I'll than t- Bottle. I've got some stats here for you. Um, he's been, he's been a whole time, 15 he? years. Um, he coached the under-20s to three successive grand finals. Um, he was a former academy, England Academy coach as well. Yeah. So he, he is a he is a sort of high stock, really. But he's a Hull man. He's been at Hull all his career, so you're asking a guy to, to leave his home city and, and come to a foreign sort of place, really, in Salford, where he's probably never spent any time before. It just seems a... A real sort of um, shot in the dark, that one really. I can, I, the guy's probably got potential, and I thought he might have thrown his hat in the ring for the whole job. I suppose we'll have to watch the space on that one. Who's Hull going to employ? Are they going to stick with Andy Last or are they going to go for somebody else? But I think Andy Last to Salford is, it's not a name I would have thrown into the ring. So uh, perhaps i have to ask the listeners what they think of that one. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, and uh, we'll be uh, following the story uh, as it breaks in the next few weeks. So that's the end of this week's podcast. I'm Rob Parkson. You can find us on Facebook, Devon Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at the ITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, and Spotify. Big thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.